You're listening to Witham's Taxing Topics. When it rains, it pours. Tax regulations and guidance are dynamic, continually changing domestic and international financial waters. Step under Witham's umbrella to better weather the storms of trending taxing topics. We'll share the essential news and information you need to prepare for what's ahead. Here from Witham is Jason Rosenberg and Adam Caputo, two members of the firm's state and local tax group. Today, they will talk to us about the implications of state income taxes surrounding the current circumstances of working remotely or otherwise known as telecommuting. Thanks, Allison. So this is Jason Rosenberg. I'm a senior manager with Witham at the New York City office, which my practice area includes state and local income tax for multi-state businesses. And I have here as well Adam Caputo, who is a supervisor in Orlando. I'll let him introduce himself as well. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am Adam Caputo, as Jason mentioned, and uh I am a supervisor in the Orlando office. I also handle primarily uh, state and local income tax issues for a variety of businesses. And so as a result of COVID-19, as, as we've uh, kicked this off, there's been a wide range of tax implications, right? So some of them that have garnered attention, at least initially, right, when when the pandemic was uh, coming about, was tax implications around PPP loans, as well as the CARES Act and, and the conformity legislation at the state level, which, you know, again, the CARES Act, as a lot of you know, right, have more to do with the stimulus measures, you know, being injected into the economy. And now we're going to turn our attention to a lot of the consequences as a result of the actual results of the pandemic, which includes telecommuting employees. And as Adam and I discussed in a recent article that was published by Bloomberg, COVID-19 overnight right, disrupted the global economy, completely transforming workforce logistics. And as we know, the, the pandemic has forced many businesses to close physical offices. And, and so this is kind of where we're at. Um, and, and from a discussion standpoint, right, so what we're going to think about today is when we think about telecommuting, um, what are some of the key transformations or significant effects as a result of telecommuting? And what we're going to explore today is, number one, business tax nexus, such as income tax and or sales tax, right? So when we think of uh, nexus, we think of filing requirements. How is the telecommuting going to impact state nexus? Um, Number two, what we're gonna also kind of explore uh, is income tax apportionment. And so, um, right, every state in order to calculate state income tax, they come up with a a formula to equal, you know, divide income amongst the different states. And so we're going to take a look at the telecommuting effects of that. And then lastly, you know, a hot topic is employee wage payroll withholding, right? So now you have employees working from home in states that they might not have ordinarily worked in as a result of um, COVID-19 and the pandemic and work from home orders and, and all the alike. So we're going to explore and take a look at employee wage withholding. So starting off, you know, as we mentioned, a business tax nexus, which really essentially is defined as having sufficient connection connection to a state, resulting in a, in a state filing obligation for a business. So let me let me rephrase that. So business tax nexus, which essentially is defined as having a sufficient connection to a state, resulting in a state filing obligation for a business. So generally speaking, in most states, having an employee physically in a state performing services will result in nexus and, and, you know, another word for nexus being a filing requirement. So that being said, right, a lot of uh, businesses out there, obviously, as we know, 
um, have employees working out of state, right? Because and, and because of uh, COVID nineteen, and so they've asked, right? Is having employees working from home with that with the business itself now have ne nexus? And to date, a number of states have issued guidance on this. Of the states that have issued guidance, many have suggested that employees working from home due to COVID-19, the state will not consider telecommuting as a nexus creating activity. However, just keep in mind that, you know, a lot of these states have been silent, the ones that have not responded, many of them, many more have been silent and have not provided any transparency on how business nexus if, if would, would be established as a result of employee working in the state or not. But again, the, this, the guidance that has been issued to state is generally non-binding binding general tax administrative guidance. And so a lot of questions are left open, right, when this guidance is issued. And for example, right, we look at Pennsylvania, the Department of Revenue said they will not seek to impose any net income tax solely based on the basis of temporary activity occurring during the duration of this emergency. So, you know, some of the questions that come up are what is temporary? You know, how long is that duration going to be? And what if the employee who, let's just say, for example, if you have an employee who's normally assigned to the New York office that is a resident of, let's say, Pennsylvania, has been working from home in Pennsylvania because of the pandemic. Now, let's just say hypothetically, just using as an example, New York lifts all work from home orders. But let's just say that Pennsylvania is still under such orders or vice versa, right? Um, would the state still consider this the emergency period, right? You know, if New York lifts it, but Pennsylvania still has it, or, you know, Pennsylvania lifts it and New York has it, so the employee could technically leave Pennsylvania but can't travel, you know, New York because of the order or vice versa, right? Would, would that still be valid, right? Would this relief still be valid? So there's a lot of open questions um of the states that have issued it but we certainly uh, you know uh, appreciate that the, some of the states that have come out and explicitly attempted to provide some relief or some guidance because many of the states have remained silent and so it, it obviously there's there's a lot of questions with those states as well right um, and the go the gold standard i just want to say for whether nexus is created is whether a physical presence has been established in the state now you might have heard in the news in the last couple of years that there was a case decided in the Supreme Court um, regarding economic nexus. And while that is still now uh, an important, almost equal footing uh, that physical presence has, that uh, whether a company has a physical presence in the state, it's what the implications are of how these states are implementing and, and defining what uh, telecommuting does in terms of, of creating nexus is really kind of what we're looking at and seeing whether a an employee that you know was previously working in another state that now is forced to work from home is whether or not they have a, they constitute a physical presence for their employer in a state where maybe before they had no um, any other connection to the state. Exactly. Yeah, th that's an important point. I think an important caveat to all this is that. Um, if your business is a service industry company, most of these businesses probably already had economic nexus to Adam's point. And, you know, economic nexus essentially is where, you know, virtual activities are being sourced to a state resulting in, in nexus, regardless of any physical presence. So um, if you already have economic nexus in some of these states, the relief out there 
you know, it's like, like Pennsylvania, like some of the other states are providing, probably don't apply to the business only because you already have economic nexus, which is, you know, uh, another standard threshold of determining nexus in a state. So that's an important caveat that Adam um, brings up that's something to keep in mind. So most likely a lot of this relief um, is going to really apply to companies, businesses that are retailers, wholesalers, selling tangible personal property um, opposed to service-based industry companies. And so, um, you know, the other, the other point of that is, is that when, when it comes to Nexus, right, that's only one part of the equation, because even if you did have Nexus as a service-based company, right, that doesn't necessarily mean you have tax in the state, because the way the states calculate tax, you still might not necessarily have any state income tax apportionment. And so um, the lack of any income tax apportionment in that state uh, you might not necessarily have um, large tax liabilities to begin with. So, you know, something to keep in mind, it's, it's an area that I think we keep reminding clients that, you know, it's not necessarily only the nexus consideration that's important, right? Because even if you have nexus, your liability might not necessarily be um, changing as a result of uh, income tax apportionment. And so something to think about that it might not be as material of an issue as, as one might think. So moving along here, when we, as I mentioned, income tax apportionment, right, because that's another area that could have large implications as a result of telecommuting employees. Um, and when we think about income tax apportionment, right, apportionment simply is just a method, as I mentioned earlier, used to divide taxable income amongst the respective states. States are not uniform in their apportionment rules, where some states use single sales factor apportionment such as just looking at the sales within to everywhere, right, to determine state taxable income. Other states may use a three-factor formula, such as using sales, payroll, and property in order to derive a formula to compute taxable income, right? So given that all the states, there, there, there's certainly not conformity and, um, you know, that they're drastically, in some respects, they could be drastically different outcomes based on some differences in rules. Um, when we think about telecommuting employees, right, one of the things that comes to mind is the payroll factor. For states that use the payroll factor, now that you have employees working in a state, are you going to include that within the payroll factor, those additional wages or not? Normally, right, if you have an employee working in a state, performing services, even if they're working at home, many states would suggest, right, you would include that in the payroll factor. There have been a couple of states that have provided some relief saying that it will not increase an employer's payroll based on temporary presence of employees telecommuting from the state. Those two that come to mind that we know about are Massachusetts, North Dakota, there might be others. So certainly, you know, stay uh, alert with, with any additional states that might come out in, in the next several months. But those states are suggesting, right, that uh, again, no, just because you have employees working from home in those states, right, the payroll factor is not gonna be negatively affected as a result. And then secondly, the other area that, that comes to mind when we think about income tax apportionment, which probably has more of an effect on, on service-based companies, where that uh, nexus, we were thinking more about companies that were retailers and wholesalers with, with income tax apportionment, states that apply sales sourcing. So when we think about the three-factor formula, right, there's sales and, and determine the sales factor. You have to source sales to a particular state, right? States either use what we call 
cost of performance sourcing or market-based sourcing. Cost of performance sourcing generally looks at where the costs such as payroll costs are incurred to determine where you source those applicable sales. And so we must continue to monitor states with cost performance sourcing to see how the, the, the sales factor might be favorably or unfavorably affected. So an example of this would be New York City UBT. New York City UBT is imposed on partnerships okay, that are doing business within New York City at the entity level. Traditionally, New York City sales sourcing is done based on um, cost of performance, where the services are performed, opposed to market-based sourcing, such as where your customers are located. Under cost of performance sourcing in New York City, based on recent statutes, it has, one could possibly assert that uh, sourcing could, let's just say hypothetically, if you're a New York City-based company, now you have employees performing services outside of New York City, one could possibly assert that those sales are now being sourced outside of New York City, resulting in possible New York City UBT tax savings. Yeah, and Jason, I also just want to point out too that there are two types of cost of performance rules that states typically employ. One is kind of a, an all or nothing threshold where you may have an employee that is now you've determined is working in a state, a home-based, you know, you, they, they are performing services. Services could be sourced to that state, but if the rules are that it's a all or nothing or it's over a 50% uh, standard, there still might, might not be any services or receipts actually sourced to that state or jurisdiction. And likewise, there are some states that have a proportional standard, which means that you would assign the receipts based on the proportion of services performed in that state. So even after you determine if a, that a state has the cost of performance sourcing rule, you still have to dig a little bit deeper and see what that rule specifically is to determine if you really should be sourcing any receipts um, to that state. Exactly. Now, that's a good point that yeah cost performance doesn't necessarily look the same in states that apply it so um you have a business new york based business for example as i mentioned for new york city ubt you might have a position um, for employees services now being done let's say in neighboring states like new jersey or connecticut to source some of the revenue now outside of, of new york city where you've previously been paying tax um, but for new york state right their cost performance method, as Adam indicated, could be a little bit different. And New York State looks generally to where the office um, of the employee is assigned to. And so um, there might be less of an argument to source some of those sales for New York State purposes outside of the city. So, yeah, something to think about is that there certainly could be positions as a result of telecommuting. Um, it really depends on the facts and circumstances. So, um, you know, some of these... Uh, effects of, of telecommuting could be favorable and there could be good you know favorable benefits just based on state rules and obviously sometimes there's some unintended consequences as a result of some of these rules as well so we just want to make sure we're you know businesses are keeping a close eye on how these rules and how these issues may affect them and um, you know moving ahead here to the last topic um, that we want to explore on, on this podcast before we close up, one of the hot areas that we're getting a lot of questions on is payroll employee withholding. Um, this is an area that is 
not gotten as much as attention as it probably deserves to get pre-COVID-19, um, with a lot of the states uh, being um, aggressive in, in, in this area, but is now getting a lot more attention with, with COVID-19. So it's an area that we should take a look at and, and dive a little bit further into. So when it comes to payroll employee withholding, right, in general, states source employee wages to the state where the employee you know, performs the service. Um, so for example, if an employee who let's just say is a resident of New Jersey, works in New York, traditionally speaking, a business would withhold taxes in New York on the employee, right? Because the employee is performing the services as a New York employee. And then resident, right, of the state of New Jersey would, would normally be taxed on all their income, but in theory would receive a resident state credit to help offset some of that double taxation. So that's normally what we would see in a traditional um, model from a withholding state perspective. Um, that being said, right, there's a couple of things going on. Number one, COVID-19, states have provided guidance to the effects of telecommuting. So that's number one. And um, number two, there's some caveats to that example that I just explained, which has always been on the books, which are called convenience of employer law, which we'll take a look at in a little bit in, in depth. So um, that being said, right, when we think about some of the relief and guidance that's been provided in respect to telecommuting, um, some states have simply said, you know, having an employee work from home due to COVID-19 won't necessarily result in a new payroll tax withholding and applicable, right, and as applicable will continue to be eligible for the resident state credit on such income. So an example of this has been New Jersey, um, which essentially means that New Jersey is saying, right, if you have a New Jersey resident who's telecommuting for an out-of-state employer, let's just say hypothetically New York, right, one of the neighboring states, um, New Jersey will not tax that salary for the duration of the health crisis. And that New Jersey resident working at home for their New York job will continue to have, you know, again, taxes withheld in New York, not New Jersey, and in theory would be eligible for a resident credit. So that's one of the examples we've seen. That's a positive thing, right? That's it's a it's a it's a good thing, right? If you're a New Jersey, um, you know, from an employer perspective and from an employee perspective, it's it's generally could be a favorable thing depending on how you view it. Now, um, other states have instructed employers to continue to withhold on wages paid to employees as if they're not temporarily commuting in the other state. So we have states out there that are suggesting, right, to continue to withhold on a state employee, regardless if now they're working from the resident state or not, and they're going to view such wages as earned within the state as if they had earned in the other state. And so we have the situation, and, and maybe, Adam, if you want to explain, but we have the situation where that you could have double withholding and double allocation of income. Yeah, for the states that have not really released any type of explicit guidance, and they happen to be neighboring a state that has issued guidance, like I, I was thinking of possibly thinking of somebody that's working in New Jersey, lives in Connecticut. Connecticut has not released any type of official guidance on, on how they view employee withholding in the 
wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you've got uh, an employee that is temporarily working from home as a result of the pandemic, and New Jersey's guidance is that they should, the employer that's based out of New Jersey should continue to withhold New Jersey tax just as if everything was status quo and nothing was going on. That would technically be in conflict with the guidance of, the, of Connecticut, which says that if that technically that employee, if they're performing services in the state of Connecticut, then they should be having Connecticut tax withheld. And that's where you get into a situation where it gets kind of messy that you basically have states that have conflicting guidance saying that you should be withholding tax on both ends. And so it's really you know, not so much in the present, uh, there's not so much, you know, there's it's anybody's guess as to how that would be litigated out, but it does present, you know, a real type of conundrum for employers that are in this situation, especially if this pandemic draws out longer and longer and it goes from maybe just one or two months to half a year or even beyond a year where you've got conflicting viewpoints from the states that maybe you should be withholding in one jurisdiction and not the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, the one thing to think about, as Adam mentioned, right, where you have conflicting guidance or conflicting rules and states um where that you know the state that you might have ordinarily worked in have an employee ordinarily worked in continues to suggest that um withholding is still required in that state um and then the home state the resident state suggesting that as you would traditionally expect um those services being performed at home um withholding and income tax right is, is required um you have the issue potential issue where that um two states are trying to um, impose withholding and, and tax on, uh, you know, within those two states. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of facts and circumstances, again, that needs to be looked at, right? Is there a resident credit available? Would there be, maybe not, maybe so. It really depends on the state and the issues and, and it just, you know, something that they can, you know, keep on, um, on top of. And then, as I mentioned earlier, so, right, in addition to all of this, right, obviously we know the states are all over the place and, and are continuing to trickle through guidance, is that states have what we call convenience of employer rules, right? And New York is the prime example. New York's super aggressive when it comes to this. Is Basically, the way it's defined is that where telecommuting employees continue to be sourced to the employee's primary office location, unless the work outside the state is for the necessity of the employer. So forget COVID-19 for the moment, right? Pre-COVID-19, you have employees, let's say, are assigned to the New York office, a New York-based company, and let's say they work at their home in New Jersey at times, or let's say they telecommute half the time in, in Florida, and the other half, they, um, you know, let's say three months of the year on average, every, you know, one week out of four, they come up to New York and every three or so weeks, they're down in Florida, right? New York would say, well, wait a minute, you know, it's not just the weeks that you're working up in New York, you have to withhold on. It might be all the weeks because unless you're working in Florida or Jersey or elsewhere out of the employee, you know, for the employee's necessity opposed to convenience, those, you know, those, that, those wages when earned in Florida are still New York sourced wages according to new york and so we see this come up quite a bit because we have you know 
clients and, and with employees or, or clients that move down to Florida, right? Thinking that, you know, I want to pay tax on my wages when I'm up in New York and and not necessarily all the wages. This this basically reverts that and says, wait a minute, no, that, that's not the case. And so there's exceptions to this and, and which are used to determine what's convenience and what's necessity, right? And so what the state will do is they'll take a look at what days are quote unquote normal work days, right? And also take a look at the telecommuters home office, right? And determine, is that a bona fide employer office? And basically in order to make that determination, they look at primary factors and secondary factors and so-called other factors. And if you meet a combination of, of these factors, then this convenience law does not apply. But the problem is oftentimes we go through the checklist and you know you might get three of the four factors or six of the seven factors, depending on what we're looking at, but um, not necessarily uh, all the factors that we need to, to, to be exempted from this convenience law, resulting in an employee being subject to the convenience of of, of employer rule. You know, that being said, this is a pre-COVID issue, but the reason, um, you know, this is a post-COVID, you know, this is a COVID-19 issue as well, because now you have more of this happening where you have employees of New York-based companies. And it's not just New York, there's about five states that have convenience laws. It's just that New York is the most prominent of, of the five that have it. And, and it's a good example in that now you have people that were working in New York and now you have a surge of telecommuters. And so this is just going to continue to be highlighted with New York. Now, you would think, right, technically speaking, you would think, well, New York has work from home orders. You know, you can't get into New York if you're not from New York, especially the last few months. You wouldn't want to go to New York. I'm certainly not working in New York. I'm certainly not working out of New York because of convenience is a necessity. That, that might be a possible assertion without a doubt. However, it's still unclear if New York is going to agree based on that, they have not opined. And considering that the budget shortfalls that New York are facing and other states in the Northeast that have these convenience laws, we expect that there might be a broad and an aggressive view when it comes to this. So it's something to keep an eye on until the states come out with guidance, if they ever do, which ultimately might be just they, they, they try and enforce it and somebody tries to litigate it. This is an area that has yet to be opined on, but an area that should should certainly be monitored. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like I said, like Jason mentioned, it's, it's important to understand the caveat that most of these states now have mandatory work from home orders and or the employers are voluntarily shutting down their offices. So it really kind of throws a wrench into the analysis of whether or not a convenience of the employer test can be applicable and for how long once the uh, offices eventually do open back up, if they do at all. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of uh, takeaways that we, we covered three areas, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of other potential implications, but these are the three core areas um, on a state and local tax level. When we think about Nexus, we think about filing requirements, and, and as we mentioned, right, it, it's it's probably going to be more the wholesalers, more the retailers that are going to be affected. Um, we think about income tax apportionment and the effects of that with service-based companies, right, sourcing and payroll factor implications. Some states have provided guidance, many have remained silent. And then lastly, when we think about income tax allocation with payroll withholding, right, we think about the effects of working from home 
you know, some states suggesting that you continue to withhold, other states um, providing, you know, a few states out there providing some favorable relief, and many states remaining silent. But in general, many of these states have remained silent, have not provided guidance, but they have continued to trickle in. Every day, we continue to see more states provide more guidance on certain issues. It often leads to additional questions. Um, so everything is fact-specific, and we just encourage businesses to really take a look at the specific facts, the you know, specific exposures and specific issues, you know, one answer might not, you know, for one company might not be the right answer for another company or another business. And then, you know, again, just considering that the states are, are in a budget shortfall, especially in the Northeast and, you know, California, we do expect that some states are going to take more of an aggressive and broad-based view on some of these issues. So, you know, that's also something that needs to be keep, kept in mind when making decisions is, you know, not only what the state rules are, but also, you know, what states, where, where these issues are originating from and what those issues are. So that concludes our podcast for today. Obviously, um, again, feel free to refer back to some of the articles that we published on some of these issues that talk about them further in depth. And, you know, feel free to reach out to us with any questions because everything is fact specific. And um, it's important to take a look at this based on actual states, national facts to, you know, help make, you know, the right decision and how to monitor and manage some of these exposure issues on a going forward basis. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more updates and changes from Witham regarding state and local taxes. You've been listening to Witham's Tax and Topics. Contact us with your feedback or suggestions for future podcast topics. Visit www.witham.com for additional information. Send an email to info at witham.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Witham CPA. Thank you for listening.